Solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? People who want to control America will break any law, lie about any topic, and that includes a lot of the elite news media. We call it the wrap up smear. CNN claimed Nancy Sinatra was not happy about her father Frank Sinatra's song, My Way, being used at Trump's inauguration. Nancy Sinatra responded on Twitter, That's not true. I never said that. Why do you lie, CNN? Actually, I'm wishing him the best. We call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. Time incorrectly reported that President Trump had removed the bust statue of Martin Luther King Jr. from the Oval Office. That false news went viral. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear. CNN retracted a report claiming Congress was investigating a Russian investment fund with ties to Trump officials. And then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the smear that we made. It's a tactic. From sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio program is on the clock. And remember, you can follow us on our podcast. If you're tuning in on the podcast, a special warm hello to you. Thank you for that. More than a million downloads, which is just mind boggling. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you guys are amazing. Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, like us, follow us, maybe suggest us to a triggered friend and give us a five star review. Okay, so we put up a video not that long ago. It was something that we found. We dug into the Wayback Machine and we found the video of then 29-year-old Joe Biden being sworn in as a senator in Delaware in the hospital room where his injured sons, Hunter and Bo, laid. And this is, of course, he won the election in Delaware, ostensibly, we're told. And then a couple weeks after that, his wife and his daughter are killed in a tragic accident. That accident injures his two sons. And Joe uses that as the photo op backdrop of his entire political identity. Joe Biden, the family man. Dad Joe. Dad Joe. Just just like you. And he's used tragedy and he's used this really campy, homey, good old boy kind of idea when he has been living a life of self-enrichment, of fraud, of corruption, of bribery. He is a felon, right? And that we posted that on social media. It went gangbusters. Let's see how you guys like this one. This is a video taken, I'm going to say, in 1973. It's on PBS. And the, the whole juck, the whole... The whole gist of this conversation is the the person who's anchoring or reporting or whatever, interviewing Joe Biden, young 29-year-old Senator Joe Biden, wants to talk about corruption. Now, people who are, one, not very intelligent, but two, slimy, often tell you more than they probably want to. Joe Biden has been known to do this on many, many occasions. This is Joe Biden's response when asked about corruption. Listen. Senator Biden, it's nice to have you here as the youngest member of the Senate 
the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there. I wonder if you'd say to us, since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I'm, thank you for that, though. The system does produce corruption, and in, in, I think implicit in the system is corruption, when in fact, whether or not you can run for public office, and it costs a great deal of money to run for the United States Senate, even from a small state like Delaware, uh, you have to go to those people who have money, and they always want something. We were told that we politicians, as the young kids say, rip off the American public. I think the American public, in a way, rips off we politicians by forcing us to run the way they do. To raise $300,000 is no mean feat. And unless you happen to be some sort of anomaly, like myself, being a 29-year-old candidate and can attract some attention beyond your own state, it's very difficult to raise that money from a large group of people. I'm a 29-year-old oddball. The only reason I was able to raise the money is I was able to have a national constituency to run for office. Because I was 29, I'm like the token black or the token woman. I was the token young person. I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the, man in the manner in which I talk about it. But what happened was they said, come back when you're 40, son. Come back when you're 40, son, because we'll have a different job for you then. I was the token young person, like the token black or the token woman. I was the token young person. No, I was just the dullard who they could hone in on my mental mediocrity and pay me to do whatever they wanted me to do. Vote however they wanted me to vote. 51 years later, dot, dot, dot. How's it going? Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips from True the Vote. I, I, I like the work that they do. It is from their work. The 2000 Mules was born. They had so much video. They had so many millions and billions, literally a trillion pings of cell phones, global satellite, what have you, right? They were able to monitor who went to which ballot drop box, how many times and when. And they handed all this treasure trove of data over to Dinesh D'Souza, who made the movie 2000 Mules, which was widely fact-checked and panned and movie theaters got heat for playing it before several finally caved to the pressure and stopped playing it for people. Think about this. Focus on only Georgia. This is where the case against the president is and all of his co-defendants. Among the charges, some sweeping generalities that he tried to overthrow the election results in Georgia, asking for an independent review, asking for a deep dive, asking for proof that the numbers are what you say the numbers are, ought not be criminal. It's protected. You're allowed to do that. Or you were up until 2020. And they dug into some information in Georgia. And yesterday on Steve Bannon's War Room, Catherine Engelbrecht dropped some pretty damning information about anomalies, about inconsistencies, about people who should not be voting in the state 
of Georgia. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of them. But it's worse. Because she presented her information to the Secretary of State, who's a Republican. You know, like a David Weiss Republican. Somebody kept in that position because of the R after his name. Because he could be manipulated or motivated to go along with the Uniparty's plan. Sounds like it. And he knew about the anomalies. He knew about the ineligible voters. He made up a farcical lie. Well, uh, what are we supposed to do to clean up the voter rolls? Uh, I'm sorry? That's your job, Brad. And beyond that, Catherine alleges that while on a phone call with then-President Trump, days before January 6th, Brad Raffensperger declined to tell Trump about the hundreds of thousands of ineligible voters. It was a cover-up. And if you don't think Brad Raffensperger and Brian Kemp are part of it, I strongly submit to you that they are. That is my opinion. Here's Catherine Engelbrecht. She drops the number of ineligible voters. I will remind you, Georgia allegedly went to Joe Biden with 11,779 votes. That's what decided Georgia. You're supposed to believe that. Catherine, number one, go. Part of it is we went through the voter rolls and we recognized that just based on residency, there were 364,000 ineligible voter records. So with that as a premise, I went to go and meet with Secretary Raffensperger. And here's where things get interesting, because he had already certified the election November 20th. I went and met with him December the 16th. And in that meeting was was Secretary Raffensperger and many of his staff and others. And we talked about what True the Vote was helping Georgia citizens do by way of filing these elector challenges. And I said, you know, this is a huge number and it's, I, it's, it's going to leave a mark. And I'm just letting everybody know it's coming. And Secretary Raffensperger, in, 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 I mean, I'll, I'll never forget it, pulled out a piece of paper, kind of back on the napkin, did a little bit of, of quick math and said, yeah, 364,000, about 14% of Americans move every year. We haven't been able to clean the rolls because of this lawsuit. So, yeah, that sounds about right. That's about how many ineligible records there are. What? 367,000 people? 364,000 ineligible voters? And Brad freaking Raffensperger is the Secretary of State whose job is to maintain dependable, reliable, accurate, and up-to-date voter rolls? Failure? Knew about it. They were dead, or they had moved, or they weren't old enough, or they were inmates, or they were fictitious, or God knows what they were ineligible 364,000 and then she drops this doozy go but what they didn't do in certifying and recertifying and all of the audits and all of the things all of the great efforts that they say they went through they never went back to look and see how those 364,000 ineligible voters voted and so now what we know 
is that 67,000 of them did vote. Flash forward, he's on that call, the fateful call between Secretary Raffensperger and President Trump and others on January the 2nd. And on that call, he knew, because we had just had the meeting two weeks previous, he had already affirmed our methodology, affirmed our numbers. And Steve, what's more, told me, sounds about right. You know, the GOP should have been doing this all along. So it was a cover up. <laughs> and when- Unbelievable. If you know that you have 364,000 ineligible voters and then you find out that 67,000 of them voted in in an election that was decided by fewer than 12,000 votes and you didn't say anything, it's because you were paid off. It's because somebody got to you. It's because you're part of it. It's because you're deeply entrenched in the establishment uniparty sewer. It's because you are the problem, Brad Raffensperger. I'd love him to come on and explain himself. Perhaps I'll reach out to his office after the show. See if we can line him up for Monday. Do you guys think I should hold my breath? Look, I... I think when when you suffer a traumatic brain injury, there is a degree of darkness and hopelessness that is almost indescribable. And then when you throw in the physical symptoms... The anxiety, the the lack of concentration, the sensitivity to noise and to sound, and I mean to light, all of it. You're on a collision course with misery until you realize that there's somebody who can stop Crazy Train. And his name is Dr. Charles Simkovich, and he's done this for years. More than 10,000 patients have had their lives given back to them because of the revolutionary procedure that the Simkovich Concussion Institute offers you and everybody else. 412-366-3700. Why not in less than a week of sessions, say four, maybe five, get your life back. SimkovichConcussionInstitute.com. Totally worth it. Totally. Guy's a great guy. All right, when we come back, I have Greg Phillips now. Is Donald Trump 100% right the election was stolen? The answer and the reason why, the explanation, wow. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So in addition to Catherine's conversation yesterday on War Room, we got the sound from Greg Phillips. He also is part of True the Vote. She's the founder. They work in concert together. Remember, these two people, because of their digging, because of what they found about mules, about people paid for, the delivery of mail-in ballots in ballot drop boxes put in Democratic areas with high concentrations of black and brown residents, no cameras, no security, no verification, no rules. She and Greg got thrown in federal prison. Various things were said about them. They were using donations from True the Vote to pad their own pockets. Every fiber of my soul tells you right now, if you're going to spend a year of your life digging into cell phone pings and geo-tracking and locating data, I'm going to go with you're not embezzling or stealing from your company. Just going to say it. I am going to say that you're over the mark, though. Listen to the question of Greg Phillips, and it's I'll say it to you before the guy says it. 
I forget who it is. I don't think it's Steve Bannon. I don't know. He says, oh, it is with it is with Steve Bannon. Can you prove the Georgia election was stolen? What a wonderful time to be saying this hours before Donald Trump was officially arrested. Go. Is it is there any doubt in your mind? And do you believe you have the evidence you can show the American people that the election in Georgia was stolen, sir? Yes, Uh, President Trump was right. Uh, Catherine spent, you know, she's been uh, most people don't know this about Catherine, but she's a perfectionist. And so uh, as we're approaching all of our research and all of the things we do, uh, Catherine, um, you know, insists on, you know, her, her mantra with us is you can't be wrong. You can't be wrong. You can't be wrong. Uh, and with everything that's been going on for the last couple of years, we finally sat down after the Trump indictments here last week or so. Um, last Friday, we finally sat down for three days in a row and really built the timeline around this. And what we found was so shocking and sh- so stunning uh, we announced parts of it on Catherine's uh, show on Monday night, and uh, we just wanted to get with you, Steve, and and uh, really walk you through the heart. Uh, when we say President Trump was right, what I'm saying is he had the courage and the discernment to understand that he shouldn't be listening to the Bill Bars of the world, the Brad Raffensburgers of the world, and all of these folks. And he was listening to people. We look back at the transcripts of that call. And we see some specific and absolute lies that were told to him. Um, and uh, But he stood up. He stood strong and he stood up tall for not just himself and his administration, but for America and the people. Yesterday, they made Donald Trump an American martyr. The guy who they tried to nail to the cross in a public square so everybody could see his humiliation. How embarrassing to have an inmate number. How mortifying. How un-American. <laughs> and instead, Trump owned that. Because he knows everything. He has it all. One of the things that has really bothered me recently, we haven't talked much about, and it was a conversation that I had with my second oldest son, Jack, and he said something off of the top of his head as a passing remark about the the unaffordability of housing. It's impossible, mom, for my generation to realize the dream of homeownership. They're stealing generational wealth. And I started doing some digging, and he's right. Wow, mortgage issues for you guys. Don't miss the dollars and cents breakdown of the BS board. They're trying to bankrupt all of us. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio program. It is money talk time. I mean, the number one thing that we all need to survive in life to be independent is money. And what do we have now? We have a dearth of people in this country, particularly younger people, who seem to see the value in showing up and working. Brock got something in the mail yesterday, told me about it this morning. You would think he would rejoice in getting a letter 
saying his student loan debt balance has been forgiven. No need to pay. You're done. Uh, Bye-bye. Normal people would say that's outstanding. Brock's like, I feel kind of guilty. Don't feel guilty. You've paid for 20-odd years. You've paid well more than your fair share. But this is what they're trying to do. Use money as a mechanism to lure people in to vote for them. It's strategic. It's purposeful. It's planned. But to make sure that your ability to actually get ahead and do the one thing that is the ultimate American dream. Whether you're gay or straight or Republican, Democrat, independent, doesn't matter to buy a house. To buy a house. To have some skin in the game. To have an actual investment that not only are you going to pay off and ostensibly sell for more than you put into it. It's home. Huh? Something that we used to do in our 20s. My husband and I bought uh, bought and built our first home when we were 28, 29. Nowadays, pushing 40, the median first, median age for the first time home buyer. I want to read you this real fast because this is the quiet stuff that they don't want you to see and they don't want you to know as they restrict from your children and maybe even from some of you, the ability to realize that dream because it is now financially untenable with interest rates. Mortgage rates surge again, inching closer to 8%. This is on Axios. This is not some conservative website. This is as left as they get. U.S. mortgage rates keep going up, inching closer towards 8%. Average 30-year fixed, 7.49 this week. That's what it hit. Mortgage News Daily reports. This is only days after the rate soared to their highest level since 2001. So they broke new records and are going up. Why it matters. Well, with mortgage rates at a two-decade high, the rising cost of homeownership puts it increasingly out of reach of many homeowners, or many Americans, I should say. The trend being exacerbated by upward pressure on broader market rates, which began with the Fed's aggressive tightening campaign against inflation, which may or may not be done yet. It's not. It's not. So let me get this straight. (laughs) And I'm no economist, right? So if you spend a whole lot of money that you don't have and you give it to people with no strings attached, right? And then you stop giving it to them, but now you owe on that money. What's that going to do? It's going to screw your entire economy. It's amazing, right? I'm just a mom, but I know how to balance checkbook for God's sakes. So we decided to look at the numbers. Oh boy, it deserves a BS board for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a while, but here we go. Time to cut the crap. Because Wendy's breaking out the Ireland contracting BS board. All right, so you're going to have to bear with me here because it's over my shoulder. Of course, the BS board always exists on the Wendy Bell Radio Network app. It even has its own home. It has its own tab. BS board. What does that stand for? Huh. All right, so here's what it says. Housing costs astronomically up, particularly in the last four years. What do you mean? Well, let's do a little, let's do a little way back machine 
memory, okay? In 1995, the average price of a new home was $130,000. If we agree that we put 20% down, right? That means you would put down $26,000 to buy a new home on average in 1995. The interest rate in 1995 wasn't great. 7.8%. Monthly payment would be $793. Doesn't that sound like a dream? $793. Now, the average income back in 1995 was $29,000. Let's go to 2019. Donald Trump is president. Average home price, $260,000. It's doubled from 1995. It's $130,000, $260,000. That means that your 20% down has also doubled since 1995. It's now $52,000. Here's the thing that gets you, though. The interest rate was only 4%, almost half as much as it was in 1995, which means your monthly payment on a home that was twice as expensive as it was in 1995 is only marginally $200 more, $993. Average income in 2019, look at that, $56,000. So the average income more than double, 29 plus 29, yeah, more than double, Average home price also more than doubled, but your interest rate was cut in half. Well, what happens with Joe Biden as president? Well, we want to know why kids like mine think they will never, ever, ever be able to scrounge up enough money, A, to save for a down payment, but to B, give the lion's share of their income to a mortgage payment, because that's what it requires. All right, 2023. In Joe Biden's America, well, look at this, 7.49% is your interest rate. Fantastic. Average U.S. 30-year fixed mortgage rate as of August 22nd, was that Tuesday? 7 or Wednesday, 7.49%. Let's go back to the board. Average home price, $419,000. That's a pretty big jump since 2019. A hundred and almost $60,000, the new home price has gone up in four years. All right. What does that mean you need as a down payment? $84,000. You guys have $84,000 that you've been just squirreling away to put down on a house that's then going to drain you dry. All right. Let's look at the the interest rate. When I crunched these numbers, it was 7.24%. Now, 7.49%. And what does that mean to you as a monthly payment? $2,283. In four years, the average monthly mortgage payment has gone from $993 under Donald Trump to $2,283 under Joe Biden. It has more than doubled. Well, you would think then that the average income has gone up in some sort of a commensurate fashion. One would imagine. No, it hasn't. $56,000 is the average income, ladies and gentlemen, today. $56,000 today, the same exact average monthly or average annual income in 
2019. Now, this is where things get wild. What percentage, what percentage of your pay that you make as an average United States home buyer and homeowner goes to your home? Well, in 1995, it was 31% of your income. In 2019, under Donald Trump, even though home prices had more than doubled, even though people were making more money, 21%, one-fifth of the money that you made when Donald Trump was president was going to your mortgage. What is it now? You can't see because the body by AIM360 icon is up, but I'll tell you what it is. 49%, 49% of what people today buying a home, if they can put $84,000 down, half of every single dollar that they bring in goes to pay for their home. Well, how are you going to pay for your food? How about how about your prescriptions? How about when your kids like mine sign up for soccer at school and you've got to pay a couple hundred bucks a kid for them to do that? What about education? What about anything? In 4 years Incomes have remained flat. Home prices have skyrocketed. Down payments skyrocketed. Interest rate almost doubled. Mortgage rate more almost doubled. Home uh, mortgage payment a month more than doubled. And you're spending half of your pay on your house. That is where we are. That is what Bidenomics means to you dollars and cents wise. So when any of these clowns like Janet Yellen, who I could just choke, come out and they say to you, you know what? 70% of Americans say they're feeling pretty good about their financial situation. I can say unequivocally BS. Hence its position on today's BS board. Now, in defense of the maniacal Marxist, communist, socialist, left, uniparty swamp establishment, it's getting longer. It's like LGBTQIA+, right? We're adding more and more to it because it is what it is. They say to you that they want to finish the job. That was what Kamala and what's-his-face Joe put out yesterday as a tweet. Using Donald Trump as the backdrop. That's your alternative. Time to give to us today so we can finish the job. They're serious about that. To them, finishing the job is bankrupting every single one of us. It is about destroying the American dream. It is about reducing you to your knees so that you are a sniveling, quivering, broke individual with hands out, shaking, hoping for scraps. It's food lines. It's China owning the food supply. It's about corrupt elections so things never change. That's what it is. And it is the great replacement taking you and replacing you with someone who's been t- let out of, a, of an asylum, of a prison, of some sort of incarceration in another country, which is what they've done. Open up the jails. Open them up. Open up the mental institutions. Set them free. Send them to America. And your Biden administration has 30 sections of border wall as we speak open for the free passage of these individuals to come into our country.
broke, unsafe, and replaced. That, my friends, is Bidenomics at work. I drink Field of Greens every day. I tell you I do so, and it makes sense because I could never in a million years eat or drink in some form. Spinach, parsley, kale, barley grass, uh, wheat grass, green pepper, green apple, green banana, sweet potato, broccoli, strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, tart cherries, pomegranates, cranberries, and beets. And though I do take turmeric, I don't take green tea, licorice, or ginger. But I get it every single day that I put a scoop of Field of Greens into water and I drink it down. This stuff is made for specific reasons, to target specific organs in your body, your heart, your lungs, your liver, your kidneys, all to make you feel better, to make you healthier. And your doctor, when they look at your lab results, I'm going to roll the dice that they're going to tell you you're looking pretty darn good. Keep it up. 15% off. And and by the way, hair, skin, nails, you'll freak out. Fieldofgreens.com. Use my name, Wendy, at checkout. Get 15% off your first order. And then give me a testimonial. WendyBellRadio at gmail.com because I want to share your success story next. All right, when we come back, I got to talk about Disney. It is such a shame when something I loved for so long and my family did. It's it's hard to see the implosion of what had been a very special family-oriented and loving children uh, business model. When it blows up and it is Houston, it is blown. The stock numbers, the prices, oh boy, next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Well, what's on my mind is that Disney is sucking some serious eggs right now. Woke Disney stock hitting nine-year low, down 58% in two years. I'm going to go with that hurts, okay? I don't care how rich you are. I've I've often wondered this, too. I think capitalism is fantastic. And I think people who are uber wealthy, I say to myself all the time, wouldn't you just stop trying to make more money? Wouldn't you just get to a part where you'd be like, you know what, honey, we've made so much money. Let's go and travel the world. Let's go and we'll get a boat or we'll, we'll come up with something that we want to do that's meaningful to us. And we'll get out of this race of, of trying to amass wealth and just be Well, rich people don't do that. (laughs) Rich people can be really stingy, too, which is interesting. So when you lose a half of a percent, when the the balance sheets aren't aren't so positive, they pay attention big time. There's no sloughing this off. Let's read the story from Breitbart. The Walt Disney Company stock price closed at $82.47 Thursday. It's worst showing in nearly nine years when the stock closed at 83.83 in October of 14. That was the last time the stock traded below $84 until yesterday. Wow. Throughout the day, the Disney Grooming Syndicate stock took a serious dive of 3.9% over the last five days. It's lost 3.7% of its value over the last year. Disney stock has lost 34% of its value. In fact, since March of 2021, about two and a half years ago, the stock has lost nearly 60%. 
I mean, it's so weird. What what changed since March of 2021? Hmm. Well, certainly barren theme parks might have something to do with it. But the fact that Disney has so far released five box office bombs, disappointments this year, and only one single hit might have something to do with it. Certainly no question that the ongoing catastrophe of the streaming service called Disney Plus, a service losing billions of dollars annually and hundreds of thousands of subscribers, that might have something to do with it. The fact that Disney's brand is swirling in the toilet right right now could have something to do with it. I mean, most of all, though, because Wall Street always looks ahead, the fact that Disney's next Marvel film called The Marvels and that widely ridiculed Snow White remake of Wokeness looks like a couple of $250 million write-offs, that might have something to do with it, but they are really only the symptoms of a much more serious and fatal disease. Because it was right around March of 2021 when Disney went woke all of a sudden. One of the most beloved and trusted brands in all of the world started filling its movies and TV shows and theme parks with transsexuals, transvestites, homosexuality and divisive identity politics. All of a sudden. Disney was openly fighting to give depraved Florida school teachers the right to groom elementary school kids with homosexual porn and transsexual propaganda. All of a sudden, a grown man in a mustache and a princess dress was greeting little kids at Disney theme parks. Yes, all of a sudden, Disney became the equivalent of a guy with no pants driving a van around your child's grade school. That's when the bottom fell out. And it isn't just the fact that Disney's pushing sick and perverted sexual fetishes on little kids. Another piece of fallout is that the company's dual obsessions of sex and identity politics have destroyed the company's creative mojo. Politics aside, Disney's product sucks. I love to see evil get theirs and nothing is as evil as preying on children. Gotta love John Nolte, one of the best they've got at Breitbart. How do you like us now? I told you, and I told what's-his-face Terry McAuliffe, you blew it, buddy, when you said that parents don't have the right to know what their children are learning. It's not within their purview. You set the final nail in your coffin. Disney, yours has already been lowered six feet under. Good luck with that. Don't go anywhere because when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, national security advisor, uh, expert, I should say, national security expert, John Guandolo, on everything that has happened this week. The indictments, the mugshots, the debate, the ratings, all of it. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program's Third Hour.